We're continuing this, uh, this series on, we're calling it Old and New, um, just some of the connections from the Old Testament, stories that we might know. Um, some are pretty obvious, some are getting, we're getting a little bit, little bit more obscure, I guess, as we go on. The last one I'm really excited about, that's kind of the one that birthed this whole series. Um, but today we're going to talk about a passage that we all kind of know from Sunday school, but you don't hear it preached on very often because it, it just, it just, it's just a strange passage. And I don't mean strange in, 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 in that it's not understandable, but there, there's a ton going on here. And I don't have time to tell you all of it, but I will give you a few things from uh, the Tower of Babel and then to Pentecost. They are connected. And not only are they connected, but Pentecost is also connected to a story we talked about a couple of weeks ago. You remember when Moses went up the mountain, he got the Ten Commandments. The people had made a golden calf. And um, Moses came down, he dropped the tablets. God, he and Moses and God argued. Um, Moses was a mediator. He was arguing on behalf of the people. And he kept saying, keep these stiff-necked people as your inheritance. And then the Levites came and they killed 3,000 people. Um, the people that were most responsible for the turning the people of God away, you'll see an answer to that as well today. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll just jump right into Genesis chapter 11. Let's pray together. Lord, there's a lot of angst in our culture, in our country, and in our community right now. In two days, some of us have already voted, but in two days... As good citizens, we go to cast our vote to let our voice be heard. And Lord, we pray as body of Christ that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us wisdom, discernment, and clarity of vision so that we know how each of us should speak our vote to give glory to you. And Lord, as we gather together today, whether online, on the phone, or in person, we seek the same thing, to give glory to you. So Lord, we ask that you draw us toward you, that you give us only what you want us to have. You show us only what you want us to see, and you tell us only what you want us to hear. And Lord, then give us eyes to see what you want us to see, ears to hear what you want us to hear, and hearts to receive what you want us to have. We pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of your Spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. Now, as we read this, I don't know if, if they've translated it or uh, transliterated it up on the screen for you um, this way, but I'll just remind you, if you go back and you read the Tower of Babel here, um, Lord, spelled out L, lower, or capital L, small cap O, small cap R, small cap D. Whenever you see that in the Old Testament, it's the, it's the, the Hebrew way of not saying the name of the Lord. They would, they would replace the name with a word that just says, that just means the name. Um, but every time you see Lord with small caps, it's Yahweh. Now, I probably won't read it that way this time, but I just want to remind you as you study your Bibles that that, that is when God says, when it says, I the Lord, it's I Yahweh or I am plain and simple. So it reads like this. And this is after Noah and the flood, when God had wiped everybody out, and then Noah's family, who were a righteous family, they began to propagate, and hundreds of years goes by, and the people of, uh, the, people of the world became what the people of the world become. They became evil, 
again. And the, the kind of culmination of that evil, that prideful, that self-spirit culminates in at the Tower of Babel. And it reads like this. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found, out, or they found the plain of Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. And Yahweh said, if, one, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. I'll explain that a little bit more in a minute. Come, let us, meaning Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because the Lord, there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the earth. Now, a just a couple of little things right away. Babel. It, that word, ba Babel, sounds an awful lot like the Hebrew word, confuse. And, and if you have a study Bible, and you'll see when it says, they called that place Babel or Babel, if you click on, or, well, click on a computer, but if you, if you look, there'll be a little footnote there that says, sounds like the Hebrew word for confuse. But there's something really cool here, because God uses that word, confuse, when the word of the language of the time, it was known as Akkadia, Akkadian, the Akkadian language. You know what the word Babel meant in Akkadian? Gateway to God. That's the problem. It's not that God doesn't like architecture. He doesn't like skyscrapers. It's not, that's not it. It's that they decided to build a temple, a way of connecting to God, but they did it on their terms. They decided that we're going to make a name for ourselves. We're going to make ourselves like God. We're going to come to him and tell him what he, who he's dealing with. Instead of scattering over the earth as the Lord had wanted to be fruitful and multiply, to go and go and subdue the earth, so to speak. They decided, we're not going to spread out. We're going to stay together. We're powerful. We're amazing. We're, 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 we're the people of the earth. We are the lords of the earth. They decided to say to God, uh-uh, our will be done, not yours. Sound familiar? You're not going to die. God just doesn't want you to be like him. Eat. So the people of God, well, the people of the earth, decided after they knew that they knew of the flood this is just several generations past the flood they knew it was still part of legend it was still part of story it was still part of their of their heritage but they knew what god had done before and they knew that he had promised never to do it again so god with the rainbow said never again will i flood the earth never again will i give it a good bath as joel tanis would say so they decided they're going to take god on his terms so these people tried to reach heaven Man wanted to make a name for himself, and therefore God scattered the people all over the earth and confused their language. This is when, as theologians would say, when God decided to disinherit the nations. 
So all the different people groups, all the sons of, of Noah and their sons and their sons and their sons and their sons and all their wives, they were all God's people. They were, they were the people of the earth. God wanted to walk with them, talk with them, know them and love them. But after the fall and then after the rebellion before the flood and now a third rebellion, God says, done. And we're told elsewhere in scripture that he divided up the nations according to the number of the sons of God. Older translations, older Bibles, older English Bibles will say that he divided the nations according to the sons of Israel, which doesn't make sense because there is no Israel yet. And we found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, we found earlier and more reliable translations or more reliable manuscripts that it does say he divided the nations according to the number of the sons of God. So who are the sons of God? Now, this can get a little tricky, and I'm not going to go into it too much. But the cosmology of the day, so the way they saw the world and the way the scripture tells us that God, if you read Psalm 82, God has a council. He has a council, the council of God. And there are spiritual beings that he calls sons of God. They are members of his council. So if you think of a king and his court, the king has advisors. Does God need advice? No, but he allows his creatures to participate in what he's doing. So this council of God, this heavenly host, we would call them angels. They're known in scripture as Elohim with a little e. I know it's getting a little technical. Trust me, just a second. But he divided at, at this point at the Tower of Babel, he said that his 70 council, this council of 70, um, he's going to let them take care of th this one gets this nation, this one gets this nation, this one gets this, gets this nation, this one gets this one. And God hasn't chosen one for himself yet. The very next chapter, he chooses Abram. He chooses a people. They're not a warring tribe. They're not overwhelmingly wealthy. There's nothing special about them. But he, he picks a people as his inheritance. Remember when Moses was arguing, please, I know they're stiff-necked people, but take them, continue to take them as your inheritance. God chose after the Tower of Babel to choose one nation that would represent him to all the people of the world. One nation that would be a light on a hill. One nation that, he, that would have access to the God of the universe. And one of the things that happened over the course of time is that when God divided the, all the people with these languages, he divided them according to the number of the sons of God, the, the, these angelic or these spiritual beings that were his advisors before, they started liking the fact that these people would worship them. And they started leading them astray time and time and time again. And that's where we get all the, the people that worship Baal, the people that worship Asherah, the people that worship Molech. All these gods, all these gods, all these, they're not, they're not gods, they're sons of God, they're, they're spiritual beings, but, but in a, some would argue that the pantheon of gods then pagan religions worship are these spiritual beings that rebelled against God and decided to lead the people of the world astray. I don't know. I know what the scripture says, that at this point in human history, God said, not all the people, nope one people. And all of the rest of the Old Testament is God showing through his people who God is. But it sounds like he's abandoned all the people of the earth. And then when Jesus shows up and he starts walking and talking and knowing and loving people, notice some of the things he does. First he goes to Capernaum, first he goes to the Jewish people. But then, remember when he crosses the Sea of Galilee and he goes to the Decapolis? He goes to the, to, to, to the places 
where, that, that are pagan, the places, places that worship other gods, the places that, where the demons live. He goes there and he speaks to them. And, 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 and he goes to Samaria and he speaks to a woman whose life has changed. So he, he, he goes first to the Jews, first to the people that God has chosen as his inheritance. But he also is starting to open the gates that it's going to be all the people of the world. And then when Jesus in John chapter 14, he's telling his disciples, look, it, I'm going away. But I'm going to tell you something. The Father will send you a comforter, a counselor, a paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And he will teach you all things. And he will remind you of everything that I've said to you. He will come upon you. And you will speak on my behalf. You will do greater things than I have done, says Jesus to his disciples. Jesus dies. He meets with his disciples. He tells them that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And then he tells them, go. While going and while baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make disciples of all nations. So instead of God only giving access to God to the Jews, the intent when he did that, when he picked the Israelites, when he picked Abram, the, his intent was that he would bless all the nations of the earth through this one particular people. And in the culmination of events, in the course of time, when Jesus dies on the cross, descends into Hades, and resurrects from the dead, and then ascends to the Father, and then in this moment when we're going to read this, God sends the Holy Spirit, he re-inherits the nations. Instead of it just being the Israelites, it's now the people of the earth. Here's how it reads. When the day of Pentecost, and by the way, the, the word Pentecost means, it, it's actually a fifth, penta. But it's, it's the Feast of First Fruits. So it, it happens every year, 50 days after Passover. And it's the day of first fruits. It's the, ce the celebration of first fruits. Um, it's right after the early barley harvest, and it's right at the beginning of the early wheat harvest. So the people of God from all around the world. Now keep in mind that Israel, or that, that Jerusalem has been captured. The people of God, the Israelites have been scattered all over the known world. It's called the diaspora. They've been spread out. But there are these, the, some of these festivals, they're supposed, everyone's supposed to make a pilgrimage and come back to Jerusalem to, temp, to worship at the temple and to offer sacrifices. This one, they're supposed to bring the first fruits of their harvests, the firstborn of their sheep, all that kind of stuff, and make an offering to God at the temple. So there are people, Jewish people and other people, converts to Jews and other, from all around the world that are gathered. And it's the day of first fruits. When the day of first fruits came, they, meaning the disciples, were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a little bit more on filled with the Holy Spirit here in a minute. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them, the disciples, speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men speaking, who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears, hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, I believe, Pamphylia, Egypt 
in the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? But some, however, they made fun of them and said that they've had too much to drink or too much wine. Now, just done a study on this. I find it fascinating. I'm a Bible nerd. This may not be fascinating to you. But whenever you see filled with the Spirit, not the Spirit came upon them, but filled with the Spirit, it happens to... It happens to Elizabeth when Jesus shows up, or when, when Mary shows up with Jesus in, in utero, and John leaps in her womb. It happens several times when people are there filled with the Spirit. That is when God decides to, 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 to fill someone for a special purpose, a supernatural wisdom that he gives to someone in testimony about Jesus the Christ. Now, there are other baptized with the Holy Spirit, uh, 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 the Spirit came upon him, anointed with the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit. But whenever you read filled with the Holy Spirit, God is giving a supernatural wisdom and words to speak that declare who Jesus is, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Son of Man, that he is the Messiah and the Christ. So the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit so that they can speak the wisdom of who Jesus is the getting wisdom from heaven to speak to people in tongues, in the language that they understand. This is the moment where God re-inherits the nation. He does not decide to give them all back one language, but he does speak from himself through the Holy Spirit. These people are filled with the Holy Spirit. He speaks to them all the same message in their language. God is seeking all the nations. Again, he's going to give access to all peoples, access to Yahweh, access to the gospel of Jesus Christ, access to the ability to be reconciled to God through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. They just said, they've had too much to drink. Then Peter stood up with the 11, and with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what, the, what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy, which is exactly what the disciples are doing. They're speaking the very words of God to the people that God wants, them, wants to hear them. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above, in, in the heaven above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness. That has already happened, and many of those people witnessed it on the day of Jesus' crucifixion. Remember, it, the sky turned dark. The sun will be, will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, uh, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then we're going to skip down to verse 36. Peter still. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, 
What do we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that very day. Babel, the people tried to get to God on their terms. Man wanted to make himself great. And God scattered them all around the known world, or all around the world, and their language. At Pentecost, the festival of, festival of first fruits, we see the first fruits of the church, the temple. The Holy Spirit came down to man from heaven. People heard their own language and understood, and God's name was praised, not man's. They built a foundation, and then on top of that, 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 they tried to reach God on their terms. God tears the curtain in the temple at the moment of death of Jesus, there's an earthquake that rattles the foundation of the temple that that the people that approached God on his terms in Jerusalem. And then at Pentecost, he builds a new temple, the church. He fills the hearts of people, not stone, brick, and mortar walls. He decides that the day to re-inherit all the people of the world, the day to begin the process of reversing all that humanity has done, that day, after the crucifixion, the next step in that day is the re-inheritance at Pentecost. Babel is kind of a strange, a strange story because it seems almost like, why, why wouldn't God want them to all cooperate? Well, because God knows what the fall did. God knows that when people gather together and they think they have wisdom and they they decide, think of all the institutions of the world. Think of all the nations of the world. Have any of them been peaceful straight through in all, all the time of their existence? Do any of them survive? The only of the ancient cultures, the only of the ancient people that still are called by the same name and still are identified as the with the same genetic code, the Israelites, the only one. You hear about the Amorites anymore? You, yeah, they mentioned the Arabs here in the, in, in, at, at Pentecost, but that's not the ancients. See, every single nation, every single major institution, every single civilization comes to a point where they betray God, where they turn away from God, and God knew that. So in order to save them from themselves, he confused their language and sent them off and entrusted their care to some of his counsel. And his counsel was even corrupt, and they decided to, they liked being worshipped and they led him astray. But God's not done. He's never done until he's done done. Until that great and glorious day of the Lord when he comes back and he makes all things new. This was the deposit. This was, it's already here, but it's not yet complete. And here we are, 
2022, the year of our Lord, 2022. And when you look at the world, what do you think? Going pretty good. Getting worse, isn't it? Because it's things of man. It will always get worse. It got worse just a few hundred years or several hundred years after God wiped the earth out. And God again said, out of mercy for the people of the earth, I'm not going to let them kill themselves. I'm not going to let them destroy themselves. I'm not going to let them think they're God. And then there's a reset. And then there's another one. 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 You go through the whole cycle of apostasy and judges. You watch it and you listen to what the prophets say. They say the same thing over and over and over again. God allowed them to be captured in Babylon so that he could lead a demon-worshiping king to himself. But what does he say when he leads them into Babylon, into captivity? He says, if you bless those people, you will be blessed. If you prosper, they will prosper. He gives Daniel this supernatural ability to show, to show love and and. and, and and to be honest with and to, and to treat with respect a demon-worshiping king. We think it's bad now. Folks, you don't have to believe me on this, but it's been way worse before. And if God wasn't done with Nebuchadnezzar, if God wasn't done with humanity after, after the, the people of God had done only what was, everything that they thought was right in their own eyes, but it was all evil and he wiped, out the, he wiped out the earth with a flood. If he wasn't done after people tried to climb to heaven and dethrone God, if he wasn't done after he disinherited the nations, if he wasn't done after Pentecost went, okay, now everyone can hear, da 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 If he wasn't done then, that was just a deposit. It's already done, but it's not yet complete. If he wasn't done in those times, he's not done now. Because God loves humanity, and he will do whatever it takes to call us back to himself. And he, what does he, how does he do that? When does he do that? Well, we'll get to that in a couple of weeks specifically. But when his people cry out. Because God hears the cries of his people. So people, only challenge I have for you today is cry out to God on behalf of the nations on behalf of the nation, on behalf of your state, on behalf of your family. And you start it with confessing sin that you may be holding on to yourself. It's first here, then here, then here, then here. When the people who are called by my name will call, will, will call on me and confess their sin, I'll hear them and I'll heal the land. It's not an accident that this particular, not my plan, it's not an accident that this particular connection from old and new showed up two days before the midterm elections. As angry as it makes you, as frustrated as you get, and I'm the same one, I'm the same way. I've got a certain way I want it to all go. And there's a certain way that on Wednesday morning when I wake up and I know it went that way, I'm going to be. But those are things of man. And it's okay to rejoice in victory. It is. But no matter what happens, one side's going to say the evil has won. And the other side's going to say the evil has won, no matter how it goes. But who's going to win? Who's the most important will that will be done? So even if it doesn't go your way, please, I implore you to remember, God's not done. And how can I say that for sure? Because he hasn't come back yet. The day it's finished 
is the day that he returns on the clouds, the day that he calls his people home, the day that he makes a new heaven and a new earth, and we sit on his new council, and we judge the spirits that rebelled. We're made a little lower than the angels, but there will be a day when we will sit above them. That's what God is after. His people, all people, knowing him, being faithful to him, so he can put his plan in place never to fall apart again. Let's pray. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your timing be done on earth. Help us, your people, be faithful followers of Jesus Christ, come what may. We pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen.